An upcoming lawsuit may reveal a piece of lost media. What happens when a woman goes to the doctor to treat her asthma and instead becomes a medical freak? And then we travel to India to take a look at a haunted train station that to this day people refuse to use after the sun goes down. Everyone in town knows the story of a ghost that murdered a family. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so we get to get started right away. Coming into Dead Rabbit Command with a pocket full of beavers. It's Jackal Forlorn. Everyone give a round of applause to him. He no longer has pants. The beavers, he, he apparently had wooden pants. The beavers ate them all. Jackal, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just spread the word about the show. Talk about it online. Talk about it to your friends. Help spread the word of Dead Rabbit Radio. That is another great way you can help the show out. Jackal, I'm going to go ahead and throw you a pair of non-wooden pants. And I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to a courthouse in Los Angeles. As Jackal is driving in this old-timey jalopy down Los Angeles, I got I to gotta say something here real quick, guys. I'm now back down to my pre-pandemic weight. I've lost 20 pounds since March 24th. I'm kicking my butt, lifting weights. I have this crazy stair routine that I do. And I'm really proud of myself. My diet is on point. I have a really, really nice, regulated, healthy diet that leaves me full at the end of the day. I had a really hard time recording yesterday's episode. Like, yesterday's episode took nearly two hours to record. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like a normal episode. But, and I like it. But it took me two hours to record. It took me 20 minutes just to get it started. I had this block, this mental block. I was recording at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. (laughs) It's super hot. I'm in a closet. I just couldn't figure the story out. And I remember, I've been doing so good on my physical fitness. I've been doing so good on my diet. I remember when I couldn't realize, I, I didn't know why I was having such a hard time getting the stories to work. And I remember I had this little voice in my head saying, maybe you just need some caffeine, which I don't you drink caffeine anymore. Maybe you just need some caffeine, Jason. Maybe that'll give you some pep. Maybe what you need is some sugar. Why don't you go get a cookie? Why don't you go get a scone? And I knew the answer wasn't edible. I knew it wasn't a delicious answer. So I sat down in that closet That was basically probably a war crime in any country in this hot, hot closet. And I got the episode done. The answer is never chemical. If you're feeling bad, well, okay, if you you actually need medicine for something, yes. But if you're feeling bad and you think, maybe I should just reach for that bottle. Maybe things will get better if I smoke this doobie. Maybe I'll feel a little bit better if I eat a whole carton of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Those things will make you feel better. Sure. But they're not the answer to why you're feeling bad in the first place. That's my message to you today. I got the episode done. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was funny. I loved how I was able to tell all these urban legends. And in the end, I chose. I knew that sugar and caffeine was not going to make that episode work. I was going to make that episode work. 
words of encouragement if you are struggling with anything chemical. It could be as silly as a sugar addiction or a caffeine addiction. It could be something much more impactful to your health in the short term. Sugar is more of a long-term thing, but just we all have each other's back here in the fluffle, in this dead rabbit collective. So the answer is not chemical. The answer is you. So Jack, we'll go ahead and pull up outside of this courthouse. The reason why we're in L.A. right now is because Marilyn Manson, shock rocker Marilyn Manson, is being sued by a woman for sexual assault. It's a civil case. It's not a criminal case. But she's alleging that he sexually assaulted her. He's facing a couple of these cases. I, again, I don't think he's being charged criminally because of statute of limitations and things like that. But he's being charged—he's being sued, basically. He's being charged in civil court. And I believe there's two other cases, but we have this one. I know there's been other accusations. Now, full disclosure, I am I do really, really enjoy Marilyn Manson's music. I hope these allegations aren't true. I know the thing out there is saying, well, you know, that's what they get for hanging out with Marilyn Manson. Like, what'd you expect? Well, I don't think you expect that. That'd be like saying if someone's working at a liquor store and their brains get blown out, you're like, sorry, bro, that's what you get for working at a liquor store. Like, you can still have compassion for a victim. I don't think that just because they're hanging out with Marilyn Manson, they deserved to get assaulted. I really hope the accusations are not true. I hope, I hope they aren't, because I really like Marilyn Manson's music. But the reason why we're talking about this here is because one of these women, she's going by the name Jane Doe in court documents, she is alleging that not only did Marilyn Manson sexually assault her, he showed her a film, and you're like, you can sue someone for showing you a movie? What? You're trying to sue Ryan Johnson right now? No, can't sue somebody for showing you a movie, but it's part of her lawsuit. And I'm reading this article because I've been following the Marilyn Manson case. Again, I hope none of it's true. I'm reading this article, and it says that he sexually assaulted her and then forced her to watch a video where it made it appear that he murdered a young fan. I, re I was reading this article on CrimeOnline.com, and I kind of froze for a second. I go, dude, did he show her groupie? So back in, I, I've heard of this lost media for 20 years. This is old, this is an old, I always just thought it was a rumor. But apparently back in 1996, so this has always been rumored. There's a clip of it on the end of one of his tour videos or on one of his music videos. There's a little clip, and people go, oh, that's from the movie Groupie. But you never knew for sure, because you could have just been part of this music video. But here was the story. There's a piece of lost media from 1996 that only three people had ever seen. This is the plot of the movie. Well, it's not really a plot. And you're going to realize really quickly why only three people saw it. It starts off with, if you have kids in the room, <laughs> if you have kids in the room and they have stuck around this far, Usher them out. It starts off with Marilyn Manson giving this drum, his drummer, not just some random drummer walking down the street. He's in a marching band. Marilyn Manson's like, come here, sir. It starts off with Marilyn Manson giving another guy a blowjob. In the description of the movie on the Lost Media Wiki, it says that Marilyn Manson, it goes really into detail, right? It goes into detail, even though only three people have supposedly seen this movie. Marilyn Manson is giving a blowjob to his drummer. Maybe it was his bassist. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who he's blowing, right? Marilyn Manson is giving a blowjob to a member of his band. And it says in the article that 
He's given a blowjob to this dude, and it was a flaccid penis. Like, okay, <laughs> here's the thing, okay? First off, I don't need that visual. I didn't need the visual at all of Marilyn Manson blowing his bandmate. And I'm thinking when I read that, because I'm thinking, so what I might take away, I don't read that and go, oh, Marilyn Manson's gay, because it didn't even cross my mind. He's just a party dude, and that's what he's doing. It's one hell of a party with Marilyn Manson. I'm thinking, when I read that, I didn't think Marilyn Manson was gay, I, or even bi. I thought Marilyn Manson must be really, really bad at blowjobs. And then, it cuts to like a party, right? There's like a party going on at Marilyn Manson's house, and this woman shows up, like a fan of Marilyn Manson, and then he starts like bullying this girl. Like she's a groupie, right? He starts bullying this girl, and everyone who's standing around is like, dude, what the hell's going on? Marilyn Manson just blowing that dude. I expected that. It's Tuesday night, but does he really have to mistreat this young fan? And then he goes, listen, lady, if you want to party at my house, you got to drink urine. And everyone else looks down at their cup at the same time. They're like, oh, man. The girl freaks out, and Marilyn Manson goes, listen, don't worry. I'll drink the urine first. This is supposedly a real movie. And then Marilyn Manson drinks some urine, and then the girl drinks urine, and then they tie the girl to a chair, and they pistol whip her a couple times and put the gun to her head. Supposedly only three people have seen this movie in its entirety. Marilyn Manson saw it. He's the one who edited it and put it all together. His manager, Tony Cayula, saw it. And he told... This is in, like, the Lost Media Wiki. This is part of the legend. Because that's only bits and pieces. We don't know everything that happens in the movie. But supposedly, his manager, Tony, told Marilyn Manson... Because he was like, oh, dude, this isn't this awesome... This is filmed back in 1996, so his career is just starting off. Look at how edgy and cool I am. His manager, Tony, said, don't ever release this movie. If you release this movie... I can guarantee you, and it's interesting because this quote, I saw this quote years ago. He goes, I guarantee you if you release this movie, it will be used against you in a criminal trial. This is atrocious. Don't release this. And now here we are in 2021. It's possibly being used against them in a criminal trial. And his manager, Tony, his manager since 1996 just dropped him. Said, I'm done. He cut ties with Marilyn Manson. The other person who saw it, it was Andy Dick, also an infamous comedian. He was on news radio. He did a lot of really funny stand-up, but I also think he got hit with some pretty serious sexual assault allegations a while back. So we only have the three witnesses who have seen the movie, and we still have... Where, where are these descriptions coming from? There is a clip of it. There is a clip of it attached to one of his DVDs, one of his... Like music videos or tour videos where you see a woman tied up. You don't really see her face. You don't see much. You just hear her voice and you hear him threatening her. And People always said that was from Groupie. But the whole film Groupie has been lost media for nearly, what, 25 years at this point. Another part of the Groupie story, too, is that the victim was actually in on it. She was hired by Marilyn Manson. He was trying to shock the audience and... Everything was totally fine. The girl was never killed or anything like that. It was all acting. But the thing, we have no way to verify that. Because we've never seen the movie. We don't know who the girl is. And now we have this news article coming out in 2021. Where it says it appears that the woman died. It appears that the woman was killed in the film. So now it's gone from a lost media where a girl gets pistol whipped. To possibly lost media that may have a snuff component to it. 
I can't imagine his man... I mean, Marilyn Manson is a pretty rough-and-tumble guy as far as his image is concerned. It would have to be pretty rough for his manager to watch it and be like, don't ever release this, considering he wrote books where he would talk about doing horrible things to people. So I can't imagine... Like, <laughs> Tony's reading the book, he's like, ha, 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 oh, Marilyn, you're such a crack-up. What was it in this movie that made him go, no, no bueno, you can't release this? If it's just him pistol-whipping somebody, I mean, you see that in Goodfellas. But if it looked like it was a snuff film, it seems like it would have to be over what the description is. But the thing is, we may see that lost media now. Because of this lawsuit, this video may be entered in as evidence. Lost media that people have been looking for for over two decades. We may see it this year. I don't know in a civil lawsuit if you can compel somebody to release... I don't Because I know in a criminal lawsuit, the police could say, we're getting a copy of that video. 100%. The prosecutor can order you to turn over stuff. I don't know how that will work in a civil defense. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see. I don't... It will most likely come out. We will see, though. Jackal, forlorn. I'm going to toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're going to save the medical freak story for tomorrow because that Maryland story went on a little bit longer than I thought. Jackal, let's go ahead and leave Marilyn Manson's mansion. We are headed out to India. Specifically, we're headed to B. Gun Kodor. That's in the Perilia district in West Bengal. Jackal, go ahead and bring this carpenter copter down nice and low. The year is 1960. Choo-choo! And the very first train is running into the B. Gunkador Railway Station. Kids are standing outside with balloons, waving. The conductor is giving them a big thumbs up. And then he's like, get out of the way, get out of the way. They're on the tracks. There's a bad first day to the railway station. But after they clean the front of the engine, everything is a-okay. This railway station is just one of many railway stations throughout the region. And everything's fine for the first seven years. But in 1967, the station master of the Begun Kador Railway Station, one night he was walking around the station all alone, and he sees a figure in the distance. A phantom, a ghost of a young woman floating around the railway station. The next day, he starts telling people about the ghost. People just want to take the train home. He's like, no, no, there was a ghost here last night. And they're like, I don't really care. I'm here during the day. Ghosts aren't spooky. He starts telling people about the ghost. No one believes him. No one believes him. He's like, why can't you guys believe me? Sure, I'm. you trust me enough to put you on a locomotive that goes 100 miles an hour, but you won't listen to me about ghosts? Fine. Get on your train and be gone. So no one believes that he actually saw this ghost. But he keeps telling people, there's a ghost here. This place is haunted. No one would believe him. And then one day, travelers show up to the train station. And they're like, that's weird. The station master's not here. I was waiting to hear another hilarious ghost story and make fun of the man for being insane. Station master, are you in your home? That's here? That, that is, he lived at the railway station for some reason? Hey, the, the the trains are fine. We just were wondering if you were okay because normally you're out there talking about Slimer. Oh, I actually have a real door now. I can make real sound effects. They open the station master's door. His entire family had been slaughtered. Uh, 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 
Arr! Imagine like quick cuts for each of those noises. Imagine that. Rewind it and then imagine that. His entire family was slaughtered in the middle of the night. So the legend goes that the ghost woman killed the whole family. I talked about on yesterday's episode, the most difficult episode ever recorded. I talked about ghost killing people is extremely rare. It's extremely rare. We don't see it a lot, even in made-up stories. I mean, outside of like your babysitter telling you a story. Local legends even don't have a lot of ghost killing people. So now we've covered two back-to-back, which is quite an anomaly. But here we have, in 1967, an entire family slaughtered by a ghost and not a vengeful spirit. Well, I mean, it might might have been a little pissed off if it's going to kill a whole family. But it's not generally in the ghost stories we've covered where the ghost kills somebody. They're killing their murderer. I can't think of another story where an unrelated ghost murders a family. But this story also plays into yesterday's episode because it getting I didn't never really thought about this until yesterday's episode. How closely related urban legends are to a traditional ghost story. The ghost story of you waking up and your loved one at the foot of your bed. That's a pleasing memory. That's a nice story. I'm not talking about stuff like that. I'm not talking about stuff where people are taking photographs of orbs either. I'm talking about the stories where people go to an old-timey hotel and they see a phantom walking down the hallway and they start to go, who was that? I saw this phantom. He was wearing a tuxedo, had a little top hat on. Who was that? And then the urban legend starts. It backtracks. Well, there used to be a guy here named Slimy McGee. (laughs) Slimer, he ate all the hot dogs at the gin joint. There used to be a guy here named Slimy McGee. Nobody liked him. He was really mean to the prostitutes. And one day someone shot him in the brain. And he was always known to wear a top hat to cover up the bullet hole as he was dying. He's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Give me my top hat. You know what I mean? Like, the stories get made up. There's a ghost sighted and they're like, yeah, we call him Tommy. It's a little kid. We hear that a lot. We hear, like, there's ghostly activity. And then sometimes they bring in a medium. But a lot of times they just make up a story. They go, we think it was Sister Agnes who... Who got away with murdering that guy at the at the whorehouse and then died peacefully in her sleep at the age of ninety? Do you know what I mean? Like I think urban legends and ghost stories are more related than I really ever thought. We run into the same thing here, but this really falls outside of urban legend because this one had real economic impact. He was talking about this ghost all the time. Every time you saw him walking up, you just wanted him to punch your ticket or, you know, make sure the trains had working engines and weren't going to blow up in the middle of a tunnel or something like that. He wanted to talk about ghosts. So he, he talked about ghosts all the time. When his family is killed, people, rightfully so, decide, I'm not going to use that train station anymore. I mean, if, if, if I have a one if I have a 1% chance of being murdered by not just me, my entire family being slaughtered by a ghost, or I can drive, I can get in my car, drive to the nearest train station, and then take that across the region, I'll do that. I might pay a little bit more in gas, a little more wear and tear on my car, but I won't be murdered by a ghost. This story actually caused the railway station to be shut down. It was very quickly considered one of the top 10 most haunted railway stations in all of India. Spoiler alert, there's a lot of them. The landmass of India is huge. There's a ton of train stations. And I looked at some of the other 10. An orb floating by the train tracks. A a silhouette of a man walking by a window. Lame stuff. These ghosts don't murder nobody. Lame stuff. 
This is the only one that you had a murder connected to. So this train station, in real, this is not an urban legend, got shut down. From 1967 to the 1990s, when finally local people go, Listen, Grandpa, I know you're really afraid of the spooky, spooky ghost that probably doesn't exist at the train station. And it's probably all made up. But Grandpa, we need to have a working rail station in this area. So in the late 1990s, locals petitioned the state government to reopen it. And they had a theory, this, this committee, they formed this committee and they had a theory. We don't believe that it's haunted. The, the other nine most haunted railway stations, maybe they are. This one's not haunted. And they said, I bet you anything that the employees of the railway station made the story up because they didn't want to work in this region. That it was a, just a, a, an excuse. Which is so funny because I talked about that on Monday's episode. I talked about the workers who got hired to knock down the haunted house on the military base. And they're like, oh no, I'm having hallucinations and headaches. I guess the ghosts have got me too. And it took them years to knock down this building. Because the employees kept complaining about wanting to murder their families. Wanting to kill their families because of ghosts. And I said, they, that'd be an easy thing to make up. Boss, I can't come in today. I'm possessed. I'm possessed by a ghost that's making me super lazy. So that was the thing. They go, it's probably not haunted. In India, it's interesting. You had, they call them rationalists over there. So I think it's kind of the cross between a skeptic and an actual ghost hunter. But they kept talking about these paranormal groups, these researchers who went out to the railway station and would confirm over and over again, this railway station is not haunted. This is not one of the haunted stations. So the locals are saying this was a myth made up because no one wanted to work here. You have these groups, these paranormal investigators, saying that it, they're even saying it's not haunted. So in the year 2009, they do reopen the station. Think about it. This has been closed for 42 years. For 42 years, this railway station was closed because a family died and it was believed it was caused by a ghost. The railway station is now reopened in 2009. Ten different routes pass through this rail station every single day. But there's no passengers to pick up once the sun goes down. <laughs> it turns into a ghost station. Not a literal ghost station, but a metaphorical ghost station. After the sun goes down, no one is at the train station. Trains still pass through. Trains still stop there, but no one gets off. No one gets on. The last train comes through at 9 p.m. And a couple minutes before 9 p.m., a car shows up at the parking lot. An employee has to drive from home, go to the ticket booth, stand there for a couple minutes, all alone. That's the scariest job, right? They stand in that ticket booth. No one ever buys a ticket, but just in case. The train leaves. The person then shuts the ticket booth back down, leaves the train station. It reopens the next day. When the sun sets, the train station, for all intents and purposes, is closed. Because of this story of this ghost that murdered a family. And you go, Jason, you keep saying that. But at the end of the day, a ghost did murder a family. Would you work there? Well, this is really interesting. I did so much research on this story. And I was looking through all of these lists of like the 10 most haunted India train stations. All of these are, because this is a very, very well-known story. It had a massive economic impact on the region. You need trains here. I'm reading these stories all over. I'm reading these stories all over the internet. But I finally came across one 
It was an article in the India Express. It was an article written by Ravik Bhattachakhira. Again, this story has been going around since 1967. And it's repeated all over the internet. It got the railway station shut down. To this day, if you want to buy a ticket after sunset, you're out of luck. The India Express had an article with Reparti Mahato, an 80-year-old man. So he was alive during these ghost murders. And out of all these articles I read, thank you, Ravik, for finding this quote. Out of all the articles I read, only one of them had this information. Here's a quote from Repati Mahato. Quote, The station master... So this person knew the station master. Very, very important. Quote, The station master was a musician and very friendly. But then, some goons misbehaved with his daughter. He left, telling the railways the station was haunted. In 1967, they shut it down. Unquote. So it was made up. It was 100% made up. He left. And he sounds, if anything, he sounds like a disgruntled employee. We don't have any information on what happened. But I'm this, let's put on our conspiracy caps here. This is what I think just from this quote. And we're taking this quote at face value. This guy may be, this guy may be lying and, and the family did really get murdered. But I think that you, I was never able to find any proof that the family was murdered or how they were murdered. Were they poisoned? Were they strangled? I mean, I'm not some gorehound. There's a big difference between everyone dying in a house due to carbon monoxide. It's a tragedy. That's big different than all of their veins were pulled out of their body. Like, one, that second one's impossible, but two, like, if it's a ghost, how does it kill the whole family? Were they brutally slaughtered? Were they peacefully die in their sleep? Who knows? There was never any details. But here we have this article in the India Express, and you have this quote from a guy who's 80 years old who knew the dude. We have It's very rare when we're able to trace back a real beginning to an urban legend. And he made it up. It almost sounds like he was a disgruntled employee. Maybe the goons worked for the railway station. Maybe he couldn't go to the police because what they did didn't rise to the level of police intervention. They're just like, hey, baby, show me them melons or something like that. Back in 1967, that's, that wasn't really against the law. So it could be something like that. And then he tried getting them fired. And who knows? But he quit and moved away. And as he's walking away, he goes, hey, by the as he's walking away, he goes, hey, everyone, guess what? The whole place is haunted. It's haunted. There's a ghost here. They believed him so much. The locals believed this story so much that he quit. And then they thought he got murdered. He convinced, I don't know how, it's interesting. I don't know if he was slowly planting the ghost story over time. Or if he was literally like, as the train was pulling out, he goes, guys, look out behind you. There's a ghost. And everyone turned around. And then they turned back and the train was gone. They're like, oh my God, what happened to the family? Did he spend days and weeks trying to convince people it was haunted? I have to imagine he did that. But it was definitely a plan he laid out. He convinced people it was haunted so they would shut down the railway. He was that disgruntled of an employee that he economically crippled the entire area for 42 years. That's pretty dope. Like, out of all the disgruntled employee stories, I don't think I've ever come across one where he ended up punishing, like, two million people, two million local residents 
fascinating adventure looking into the story. I was just looking for a fun ghost story because I spent all last week reading a bunch of ghost stories. That's why there's so many this week. And instead, we were able to find a ghost story that, one, involved a murderous ghost, which is incredibly rare. Two, caused a bunch of people to lose their jobs. That's unheard of. I don't think I've ever come across a ghost with that heavy of an economic impact. And three, find the origin of the story from some random quote in this article. It was like buried in the... It wasn't like flashing headline. It never happened. It was in this whole article about this haunted train. Just buried deep in it. Stumbled across it. Fascinating story. So if you ever open a business, be careful if a super old dude shows up who looks like he probably had a job as a station master in the year 1967. You see this old, decrepit dude walk in and he's like, I'd like a job, please. And you're like, yeah, I, I, I work in heavy manufacturing. You're 97 years old. I'm sure you can do it. Be careful who you hire because that person you hire may actually be someone with a little twinkle in their eye. Sure, they do everything just right. Sure, they're the best employee you ever had. You wake up each morning, there's a cup of coffee ready for you. You're like, how did he get into my house? But this man has a plan. And one day you wake up, there's no coffee next to you. You go, oh no, where'd Henry go? He's my best employee. He was the best. And then you walk to your workplace and everyone's gone. And there's a note on the door and it just says, you've just been booed. You're like, what? That doesn't make, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And then you open it up and there's more of an explanation. <laughs> it says, I didn't like the way you treated me last night. <laughs> like, what did I see you last night? And then it says, so I've told everyone at work your place is haunted. Good luck getting new customers now. Your friend, your friend, Henry. Or Harry, whatever his name was. You're like, no! I think the moral of the story is be careful who you hire because at any moment, you can tell everyone your business is haunted and it can get shut down. And in the end, the business you spent so long creating, it just got booed. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. <laughs> I shrugged. I shrugged my shoulders after that one. After yesterday's episode, that was about as good as an ending. <laughs> I literally shrugged my shoulders. I like the ending. I like the ending. I give it an, uh, what? I'd say that's 7 out of 10, maybe. So you're, you're like, Chase, you're being super generous. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.